Attention, everybody. We're waiting on Alex. He's right there. You mean call his name out? Somebody's mic is really hot. Good morning, everyone. If you please stand with us and sing along.
Amen. Man, what a joy it is to gather with the people of God and raise a hallelujah. Amen. And we're so thankful that you're here to worship with us. Uh, take a moment, welcome those around you this morning. All right, y'all are a rambunctious crowd today. There you go. Good morning. You're taking after David more and more, right? Good morning. Well, thank you for being here this morning to worship with us at, at Northside Baptist Church. If this is your first time with us, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, would you please let us know uh, that this is your first time, maybe your second, your fifth time, and you haven't let us know that? There's a, a QR code you can scan. There's um, connection cards in the pew, you can fill one of those out and drop it off with the ladies um, at the welcome desk on your way out. We would uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, man, I love, love, love. Let me just take a moment just to thank you all. Just love you all so much. We're so appreciative to staff. Um, during October, Pastor Appreciation Month, Staff Appreciation Month, uh, your staff felt uh, your loves and, and your prayers. And so there's a, a little thing in the bulletin, but let me just uh, say on behalf of our staff, thank you from myself, from Kim, uh, Curtis, and Ann, uh, who miss being with us so much, and hopefully sooner than later they'll be able to, to come back. And then Melinda, uh, we're very thankful for your love, your prayers, um, and your support. So thank you uh, very much for that. Some of you are aware that today, actually today, is the 28th anniversary of Northside Baptist Church. So it was... 20, 28 years ago today, uh, people called Northside Baptist Church gathered for the first time on a Sunday morning. They had been meeting a few times other, other nights of the week, but their first Sunday morning gathering was 28 years ago. And so here we are later, uh, thanks to the vision of, of Dr. Bob and, and others, and, and planning this church on this property. Uh, here we are 28 years later, still declaring the glory of God and that Jesus Christ saves. And so that is, that is exciting. Uh, so in just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. And uh, just hopefully today, this week, you'll, you'll reminisce a little bit of, of how God has used this church in, in your life. Um, also, in just a moment, we're going to pray. This Thursday um, is Veterans Day. 
And so we want to be mindful of that. We want to thank God for our veterans. Uh, in a little bit, the choir uh, is going to sing a song, and they've done this now, I think, for, for many years in a row, a salute to the armed forces. So if you've been here for this, you know what to do. If, if you've served uh, in the armed forces in one of the branches and, and you're new, during this song, when it comes to your song, your hymn, uh, if you'll just stand um, and just follow the lead of others as, as they stand. So when it comes to your song, if you'll just stand so we can just express our appreciation uh, to you for all that you have done uh, for this country. Uh, we're also going to worship a little bit more together, but before we do that, let's pray. Father God, we have so many reasons. We sing this song, 10,000 Reasons. Father, we have ten thousands upon ten thousand reasons, God, just to praise you this morning. We praise you for being our creator, for being our sustainer, for being our redeemer, for being our father. Father, we thank you for the work that you have done through your church. As we're going to zero in on that this morning, where the Apostle Paul talks about through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. Lord, through the church universal, but also through local churches like Northside, Father, you have worked through these people to impact and change lives. And Father, you're still doing that today. So thank you. Thank you for the pastors, Father, who have faithfully taught and proclaimed your word from this very stage. Thank you for those who have led music, those who have served in hundreds of different ways. Those who have prayed, who have been faithful behind the scenes every day to lift up, God, the work that you're doing. Thank you for that. Continue, Father, to do great and mighty things through Northside. God, not for our glory, but for yours and yours alone. Father, we have the, the privilege to be able to, to be a church and to live out the New Testament, and the teachings of God's Word in a country, Father, where we have the freedom to do that openly. Father, may we not take that for granted today, this week, or ever. So, Father, in just a few minutes, we're going to have an opportunity to honor our veterans. But, Father, before we do that, let me just offer up a prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude for each and every one of them. Father, who were willing to risk their own lives. Each of them who know men and women who gave up their life serving this country. Many of us, Father, have family and relatives serving actively today in other countries, away from their family, away from their church home, and they're in harm's way. Father, we lift them up to you. We, we, we pray for them. Father, we live in a, in a world that is more divided than ever. And, and God, there's times that I wonder, Lord, if, if unity will ever be realized again in our country. But God, I know that that can't happen apart from a revival. Father, apart from you doing a great work, starting in your church, and then Lord, from there, going out into a lost world. But Father, even if we can't agree on a lot of things, Lord, there still should be an enormous amount of gratitude to the men and women who have given so much for this country. So thank you for them. And Lord, as we continue to worship you, as we continue to lift up your praises, Father, we pray this morning through our worship, through the preaching, through the singing, Lord, that we would declare 
the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly principalities for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me Oh, his love for me Oh, his love
king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are.
Amen. Thank you, choir. And again, a special thank you to our veterans. We greatly appreciate you. All right, at this time, our kids are going to make their way out for Children's Church. If you'll take your Bibles and go ahead and get to Ephesians, we'll read that together in, in just a few minutes. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 3. Anybody else in the room like to plan? Do we have any planners? People organize, you, you just like a plan. Uh, you go on vacation and you plan out what you're going to take and what you're going to pack. And you, you got all kinds of lists. I'm a planner. I like plans. Anybody in here that's a planner married to a non-planner? <laughs> she left. She's not in here. I can't pick on her. Uh, man, it, 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 it's hard sometimes. Uh, I, I love I love planning, and I don't like it when things don't go according to plan. It stresses me out. Um, Bear Bryant said, have a plan. Follow the plan. You'll be surprised how successful you can be. Most people don't have a plan. That's why it's easy to beat most folks. Have a plan. Uh, the Disney cartoon Agent Oso said, it's all part of the plan. More or less, he would say. It's all part of the plan. Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> uh, my favorite, John Smith, a.k.a. Hannibal from the A-Team, said, I love it when a plan comes together. I like the plan. This morning when we get into the scripture, we're going to see that God has an eternal plan. How do we know, right, that a plan works how do we know that a plan when it was in its early stages uh is is, is gonna be wise well we know because the plan works if the plan works if it does what you would set out to accomplish then it was a wise good plan so this morning we see god had a plan and we're going to see that god's plan works and it continues to work today. And so the message this morning is simple. I want you to notice one big truth, and that is God's eternal plan. And then towards the end, we'll do two points of application. So if you have a copy of God's Word or you have it there on your phone, would you please take that and stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? We're going to be in verses 9 through 13, but I'm going to start in verse 7. This is the Word of God. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, and whom we have boldness and access with confidence to our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. 
Father God, we come to You, the eternal God, the Creator of the universe. Lord, as we opened the Word of God this morning, remind us that this is Your Word. And God, You have a plan. And You still have a plan, a plan that is centered upon Christ and centered upon Your church. Father, we as Your people, as followers of Christ, want to be faithful to carry out Your eternal plan. So Lord, would You give us boldness and confidence this morning? Would You help us not to lose heart as we study Your words? We humble ourselves before You, O God. In spirit, we ask You to move in this place. Move in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God's eternal plan. I want you to notice this morning that God's eternal plan, based upon His grace and His, His sovereign will, included the Apostle Paul. So God had a plan for Paul. We, we talked about this a little bit at the end of last week's message, right? In verse 8, he says he was to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That he was to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable endless, infinite riches of Christ. But then he says, and. So there's something else that God had given Paul to do, and this is what he says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. To bring to light. Paul was to preach, but he was also to shine light. Paul understood that apart from Christ, we're in darkness, and the Spirit of God illuminates our hearts, and so Paul's just preaching this, teaching this, so that people, those in darkness, could come to light. He is shining the light of God's Word. Notice he says, for everyone, not just Gentiles, but for everyone. And what is he shining forth? And that is this. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. What is the plan? Right, We see that God has this eternal plan. We see this um, in verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose. So God has an eternal plan. Chapter 1 says, before the foundation of the world. And Paul says this is a mystery. Now again, the biblical understanding of mystery is something that was hidden, but is now made known. It's now revealed. So God's plan... God's plan is there all along, from the beginning of time. It's in the Old Testament. The thing is, men and women didn't really understand fully God's plan. But God had a plan. And we talked last week, He's unfolding it throughout history, redemptive history, and it's, it's culminating here in, in Christ. And then now Paul is charged with explaining what this mystery is. And, and so when we read the Old Testament... Right, We see types and shadows and glimpses of God's plan that He's going to use, but we just see glimpses of it. We don't see it in its fullness. Now, you and I have the advantage of looking back and reading the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, so now we can see more fully. But, but let me just give you an, an example of this. Um, in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, of just living in the moment... With the people of God as, as they're learning of God's redemptive plan to them. You have in Acts chapter 1, 
right? Jesus has just ascended back to God the Father, and it says, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So here's what we have. Um, we, in essence, have these, these two, if you want to talk about mountains, for example. They say Jesus has left, and he's coming again. The Jesus you saw ascend is coming again. Now I would imagine in their minds, they thought, okay, Jesus just left, and he's coming soon. They probably would have thought it was imminent. Days, weeks, months, years, probably not 2,000 years, they believed he was coming. And so what they didn't know at that moment, that the Spirit of God is going to reveal to Paul and Peter and others, is that God has a plan in between Christ leaving and his returning. And that plan is going to center on the church, which Paul is going to mention in just a moment. So in that moment, they didn't see the big picture. They didn't know yet. It's like you and somebody shared this with me a couple weeks ago, and I read it again this week. It's like if you see from a distance two mountain peaks, you're way to distance. From a distance, those two mountains maybe look like they're right next to each other. There's no gap. But as you get closer, you realize one's here, the other one is way beyond it. There's all sorts of things in between, but you didn't know that until you got closer and observed. And so the Spirit of God is revealing these things to the apostles and helping them to understand that God has an eternal plan in between the ascension of Christ and His return. Christ is still coming, amen? That's a promise. We haven't lost that promise because it's been 2,000 years, because we know God has a plan in the intermediate part. And so this is, what, this is what Paul says. And to bring to life for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. I love how Paul just slides in there that our God who has this eternal plan is the creator of all things. This goes back to Genesis 1 and 2. That our God is the creator. That our God is the one who created the world. He upholds the world. He created you and I. This eternal God who has this eternal purpose is the creator. I was listening to Alistair Begg uh, preach this week, and, and I love how he, he broke it down. He says, Genesis 1 and 2, you have good. You have a good God who creates good things. He says it's very good. There's no sin, no evil, no flaw in God's creation in Genesis 1 and 2. Good becomes bad because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. Because of, of their sin. Right? Ryan asked me last night if I would, in uh, Cubby's tonight, be the Adam. She's going to be Eve, and I'm going to be Adam. And I was like, why do I want to be Adam? Right? You're the one that took the fruit and plunged the whole world into sin. Like, why do I want to be any part of that, right? But so we know Adam and Eve disobey God, rebel against God, and as a result, sin and the curse and all of this comes into play. Alistair Begg gave a, a great example when he was talking to a lost person who said, look, I can't believe in your God because of so much sin and, and, and wickedness, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak this a little bit, and I didn't get permission, so forgive me. But this past Sunday, we had the fall festival, and the grand prize uh, for uh, bingo was this amazing cake that Miss Janet made. It was amazing. It looked awesome, fantastic, and I had a piece of it. It was delicious. So Miss Janet, when she brought, brought this cake in, right, it was, it was perfect. Now, if she gives you the cake, and in the process of giving it to you, you stick your hands in it and spill your coffee on it and, and mess it up, whose fault is that? It's not hers. It's yours. And, and that, that's what Alistair Begg was saying. When God created it, it was good. 
The reason it's a mess isn't because of God, it's because of us. We're the one that made a wreck of this world. So good, bad, and his point in the scripture as it unveils this to us is God isn't going good, bad, and good. What God's doing is he's going good, bad, and new. God is doing something new. He is creating something new. And the Old Testament, the New Testament, is unfolding this plan of God. So he's the creator. So, so God, understand, Paul plays a unique role in redemptive history. Not because of who Paul was. Paul says, grace, 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 it was given to me. But Paul is entrusted with this message that up until this point was hidden, that now Paul, through God's grace and, and will, is making known. And what is this mystery that Paul is revealing? And that is this, that God has an eternal plan for His church. For the church. Look what he says. So that, in light of what I've just said, the purpose is that through the church, through the ecclesia, the called out ones, the people of God, who've been saved and redeemed, it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Notice what Paul does here. He goes from verse 8, preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ, and now in verse 10 he talks about how through the church. Paul understands that God has a plan through Christ and through the church. That God's eternal plan centers upon Christ and His church, which is built upon Christ. And that is that God saves individuals. You as an individual must come to faith in Christ. You must believe. But when God saves an individual who confesses their sin, repents of their sins, and believes upon the name of Jesus, God takes those individuals and He forms a new people. And that people is called the church. The church universal, big C church, if you want to look at it that way, that consists of every believer from every age, and then little C church, which is what Northside Baptist Church is. Now, 28 years ago, when God led Dr. Bob to form a new church, to bring together a new church, God had a plan that through this church that began to meet here and gather here, God was going to do something through them. And what is it? that God is going to reveal through the church. Look at this. It's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. The manifold wisdom. The, world, uh, the word manifold means multicolored or multifaceted. This word was used to describe colorful designs of flowers, embroidered cloth, woven carpets, crowns with exquisite jewels, that this plan of God might be made known. Now again, in the Old Testament, we see glimpses. We see glimpses of the Messiah, right, as it points to Him. We see glimpses of, of who the Messiah is going to be. We know in the New Testament it's Jesus. We see glimpses of God going to do something to save the world and, and through a people, right? And so when you begin to study that, right, you begin to see this unfold. So on Sunday nights right now, um, David is leading a study through Daniel. And it's amazing as you study those prophecies that, that God's using this to point people, to point people to Christ. And, and so I encourage you, if, if you're not serving in Awana, to come on Sunday nights to be part of that, to see how the Old Testament is pointing to God's eternal plan, which centers upon Christ and the church. But look what he says. That this plan of God, this manifold, multicolored, multifaceted wisdom of God, might now be made known 
to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. That God's wisdom might be known, might be declared to who? To the rulers, to the authorities in the heavenly places. In my study, and in, in other places in Ephesians, when it talks about these heavenly places, these rulers, these authorities, I think it is referring to both good and bad angelic beings. Good and bad angels. Those who, who worship God, who are serving on His behalf, those who have always been faithful to, to God, and those who rebelled against God and were cast out of His presence. The demonic uh, forces, right? That they, we can declare to both the good and bad angels the wisdom of God. So, so here's the deal. Angels serving, ministering on behalf of God, or fallen angels living in rebellion to God, are not omniscient. That is, they are not all-knowing. They did not know God's plan to redeem and save. The angels are learning this as it unfolds, Peter speaks to this in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. If you want to write that down, I'm going to read it for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then Peter writes this. Things into which angels long to look. The angels are longing to look and to understand God's plan of redemptive salvation because they don't already know it. They're not omniscient. They're learning it. As Jesus, the Son of God, is being crucified, they're learning it. As He's raised from the dead, they're seeing it. As people come to salvation, they rejoice because they're seeing God's salvation unfold before them. And then He says this, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. That he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, here's what I want to emphasize to you this morning. In, when COVID began, there was a lot of conversations about what's essential. What workers, what industries, who are the essential workers? The Scriptures are clear that the church is essential. The church is necessary. Now here's what we have. We have a lost world that doesn't think the church is important whatsoever. They, they want nothing to do with it. They could care less about you and I. That's to be expected. But what we have had develop over years is that even among Christians, followers of Christ, they look at the church and they say, well, the church is nice. The church can be helpful. But to be part of a church is optional. It's not essential. It's not necessary that I, as a believer in Christ, be part, be faithful to a local body of believers. And what I would say to you is that the Scripture declares it is absolutely necessary and absolutely essential. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and we'll get there in uh, probably beginning of next year, says, um, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
Is Christ going to give himself up for something that is just optional, not important? No, it's necessary. So let me simplify this. Um, it's going to be an oversimplification. But when we think about what is the purpose of the church, what is our purpose in gathering? What are we doing this morning when we gather? Well, this will be on the screen. There is an upward component to this. And this is, this is primary. This is most important. Um, so you think about our four Bs. Uh, what is, what is the, the purpose, the, the mission, the vision of Northside? The first one is to believe. That we are to believe upon the name of Jesus Christ. For 28 years, Northside has been calling people to believe upon the name of Jesus. We have gathered Sunday after Sunday for 28 years to behold, to glorify the name of God, our Creator, our Savior. If we don't do this, then anything else we do doesn't matter. It starts here, upward, but then there's also an inward element. That when we gather, the next two B's that we talk about is we belong to a family and we become more like Christ. That we gather, this is family, we encourage one another, we serve one another, we love one another, we help one another, we fulfill the 59 one another commands of the New Testament. And there's also a third, third element, and that is outward. That we don't just come to sing some praises to God, encourage one another, but then leave here unchanged. That we understand there's a lost world, lost neighbors, lost family that need Jesus. So we come, we hear, we're encouraged, and we're motivated, we're fired up to go tell them about the name of Jesus. So there's an outward focus. I grew up in church, and I could have told you all of that. But there was one that Paul states here that I never heard declared very often. So what does Paul say? He says, through the church, that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to who? To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. That he's talking about spiritual beings. He's not talking here about lifting up the glory of God. He's not talking about other believers. He's not talking about lost people. Paul preaches the gospel to them. But he's saying through the church, through our gathering, the wisdom of God can be made known to spiritual beings. Here's the bottom line. There's a cosmic purpose to the church of Jesus Christ. A cosmic purpose. We, the church, are making God's plan of salvation known to the entire cosmos. See, what you do this morning matters because we are proclaiming something to the entire cosmos. Koken, in his commentary, writes this, This beautiful wisdom of God and the gospel is displayed for all the powers and the spiritual realms to see. In the rich diversity of a local church, every local church is God's trophy cabinet. John Stott breaks it down this way. He says, think of it as if you're going to a play, right? And on Tuesday, thanks to your all's generosity, Ryan and I are going to go uh, see Fiddler on the roof. And so um, I'm excited about that. And I'm not going by myself. When I asked, hey, who's watching the kids? Apparently, one of the troublemakers that sits up front, I won't say who it is, said I was going by myself, that Ryan was going to have the kids. But I, but I didn't hear him say that, Mr. Paul. But I don't have to go by myself. Um, Thankfully. So he said, think of it this way. So we're going to a play. He says, so think, think of what's going on. He says, history is the theater. History is the theater. The world is the stage. The world is the stage. The church are the actors. We're the actors in the play. The director is God himself. So act by act, scene by scene, God is unfolding the story. Just as a, a play is unfolded. So who's the audience? 
And John Stott says, according to Ephesians 3, the audience are the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. They are the ones watching what God is unfolding through salvation in his people. John MacArthur says, the angels can see the power of God and all creation, the wrath of God at Sinai, and the love of God at Calvary. But above all, they see his manifold, multicolored, multifaceted wisdom that is made known through the church. They see him taking Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, who together murdered the Messiah and were worthy only of hell and making them by that very cross of murder one spiritual body in Jesus Christ. None of us are worthy of salvation. It is all by grace. We had all run from God, but God in His grace brings us together. And every week what we do here matters. So the Atlanta Braves just won the World Series, right? Our Braves fans here, congratulations to you. And what they did, what every other team does, is they they have a parade. Right, they, they parade through the streets and people line the, the streets and they begin to cheer and they begin to, to, to root on their team, cheering the players because they're the champions. According to a, Ephesians chapter 3, every time the church gathers, we are declaring... It is as if there is a massive celebration, a massive parade, that every time we sing, raise a hallelujah, or every time the choir sings, or every time we offer up a prayer, or every time we serve one another, or every time God's Word is proclaimed, every single time we gather, this is why it's essential, you and I are declaring to Satan and the fallen angels that they've lost. Every time. Every time, you go ahead and applaud for that. Every time that Satan has lost, that sin has lost, that hell has lost. One of the commentaries said every time we gather, we are announcing to them that they're stupid for rebelling against God in the first place. Because God is victorious. So does it matter that you're a part of this regularly? Absolutely it matters. Because we get to be a part of that for eternity. Until Christ returns to declare to them that they have lost and Jesus Christ has won. That's what we declare as the church of Jesus Christ. So something to ponder. What message do we communicate as the church when we are internally divided and externally segregated? What message do we communicate to Satan and the fallen angels when a church is internally divided and externally segregated? I think the message we declare is what we believe isn't really real. And maybe for just a moment, they think there's still hope because we are not portraying the message that we ought to be portraying, which is God in His wisdom chooses to save a sinner like myself, and He brings me in with other sinners. And together, right, we lay aside our preferences and our backgrounds, and we come together in the name of Jesus, and we declare He is supreme over everything and everyone. So look, look, we, we, we have this upward, let's glorify God. We do that faith. We want to love one another. We want to we tell other people about Jesus. But understand, there's something else going on here, according to Paul. 
And so we want to make sure we're communicating the right message week after week. And then out of this, he gives us two points of applications. In light of God's eternal plan that cannot be thwarted, this plan that's realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence to our faith in Him. Right, the first point of application is simply prayer. That you and I get to pray. In light of this, we, what does Paul say? That we can have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, Boldness means we can come before God without fear of rejection or penalty. This morning, through the grace of Jesus Christ, you walk into this place, into the very presence of God, with confidence, with boldness because of the name of Jesus, and you have access to Him. We call this the priesthood of believers. Y'all, I mean, this is, this is good news. That you don't have to go through a priest to see Jesus. You don't have to come to me to go meet with Jesus. You want to meet with God the Father? You go through Jesus Christ the Son. You have access and a boldness in the name of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There is a joyful confidence in light of God's eternal plan, which includes you and myself by His grace. We can come to Him with confidence. And then there's a second thing, and that is simply this. Persevere. Persevere. He says, verse 13, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So, where is Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in prison, right? He says he's a prisoner. Now, I would imagine that for Christians in Ephesus and other places, they probably thought in that moment this was a setback. Like here is Paul, he's been entrusted with this glorious gospel message. He's traveling missionary journey after missionary journey, church after church has been planted, young man after young man is being raised up, right? And now he's in prison. To them, they probably saw it as a setback. And so what does the Apostle Paul write? Do not lose heart. Because the reality is, though Paul being in prison may appear to be a setback, it is not a setback. And he's saying, in light of what I've said, that through the church we're declaring this manifold wisdom of God, understand we have victory over demonic power and forces. And therefore, we don't lose heart. And maybe this morning you are tempted to lose heart because your plan has not gone the way you wanted it to. That God's plan for your life is different than what you thought your plan would be, than what you thought your circumstances would be. And so in those moments, we have to go back to God, our Creator. We have to put our faith and our trust in Him. And we have to say, God, in the midst of this, help me not to lose heart, but to trust in your eternal purpose and plan let me close with a with, with an illustration um, years ago apple computer fell on difficult times their young chairman at the time Stephen jobs went to new york 
to try to convince PepsiCo's John Scully to move west and to run the struggling computer company. At first, as they were meeting in a penthouse in New York City, Scully declined the offer, saying, listen, Apple would have to offer me an astronomical salary, the best benefit package we could possibly put together. Uh, Jobs uh, agreed, um, but under one condition, Scully would have to move from New York City to California because he wanted to, to, to be a consultant in New York City. He didn't want to move west. And Jobs said, no, if you want this, you got to come. Well, that, um, Scully said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay right here in New York City uh, leading Pepsi. Then Jobs confronted Scully with this question. He said, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or do you want to change the world? You want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, Or do you want to change the world? That knocked the wind out of Scully. He hadn't thought of it that way. And he accepted the offer to move out west. And in many, many, many ways, Apple has changed your life and the world. Some for good, many ways for the the worst. But it's changed our world. God has an eternal purpose and a plan. And for only reasons that he knows that I cannot fully understand, God in his grace decided to include you and I in his plan to change the world. A plan that is centered upon Christ, and then he's going to make that plan known through his church. And so here's the question for you. Do you want to be a part of that? You want to be a part of God's plan to change the world and to declare to the heavenly beings that Christ is victorious. Do you want to be a part of that? For 28 years, Northside Baptist Church has been part of that. And this morning, as we were singing, my tears man, just began to fill my eyes as I just be, began to just be overwhelmed by God's goodness and his grace. My little son Malachi walked up to me and he put his hands in the air and as we're singing God of this city, my tears just begin to pour down my face because I want, I want God to be God of this city, but I also want God to be God in my household. And I want my six-year-old son to know that what matters more to me than anything else is Jesus Christ who's Lord and Savior of my life. I don't want that just to be an afterthought or something I add to my life. I want it to be about Jesus. I want to be all in, as much as I can be, for the glory of God and for the advancement of His purpose and His mission. Because the day is going to come, man, when I stand before Jesus, and I just want my life to have mattered. Not for some temporary pleasure, but for all eternity. To know that I was part of the chorus of millions of people who week after week declared to Satan, you have lost and Christ has won. And this morning I declare to you that Jesus Christ has won. Do you know that hope? Man, do you know the hope that is in Jesus Christ? And if you don't know that hope, then man, will you give your life to Jesus? Will you stop running from Him and run to Him this morning? Would you pray with me? Father, God, every single one of us, we walked into this place Lord, if I'm honest, I walked in this morning and, and 
Man, my heart, my mind, they were just distracted. A lot of things just weighing on me. And God, I needed, I needed to be gathered here with, with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I needed to be reminded, God, of who I am as we sang. I needed to be reminded, God, of something bigger than, than just me. But God, of your purpose and of your plan to use your people. And Father, as we look around today, not only is the world divided and becoming more divided, but God, what I see is a church that is becoming more and more divided instead of being united around the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I read this morning that you're a God who loves righteousness and a God who loves justice. So may we be a people who loves righteousness, understanding that our righteousness is only through Christ. Father, may we, may we just stand for the truth of your word. May we just be a people, a God who love people, but understands that we can't love people apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's no hope apart from Jesus. That God, this was your plan before the foundation of the world. It was to unite all things in Christ, to make all things new. So God continued to do that. Father, if we are failing to be an active part of that, and there's many ways in which we do that here at Northside. God, if we're just lukewarm or half-hearted in our devotion to you and your church, and God, would you just convict us right now as we sing this song? Speak to our hearts. And if we're discouraged and tempted to lose heart, then Spirit of God, just strengthen us today. Remind us we have boldness to come to you right now. Whatever it is, God, we can have access to you. Pouring out our hearts to you as we sing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand and just worship with us as we sing this song? Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my
seated for a moment. I want to make some announcements before we uh, head out. Hopefully you uh, are paying attention to the bulletin, a lot of things uh, going on, including our Thanksgiving meal uh, next Sunday, which will be right after a service. So when you walk in next week, it's going to look a little bit different. It's the first Thanksgiving I've experienced where you're going to be sitting at, at tables and chairs. I've never preached to people sitting in tables and chairs before, so uh, that'll, be, that'll be fun. But we're also going to have chairs set up in the back. If you're not going to stick around uh, for the Thanksgiving lunch or you feel you need to spread out a little bit more, you'll be able to sit back there. Uh, you need to just read the bulletin. There's some, we need you to bring sides. We do need one more person to bring the dressing. Um, so if you'll let Robin know that. Uh, our men's ministry is going to meet this Saturday at 8 a.m. You want to be part of that. And then, men, after we meet, we're going to tear down the sanctuary and then put the chairs in the... Uh, the tables in here, so we appreciate your help. Children's church meeting right after the service in the fellowship hall. Um, and so if you help with children's church, you serve with children's church, we want you, uh, hopefully you can stick around for that meeting um, for that. And let me just let me just say one, one more thing. And again, I didn't get permission, so I'm going to have to say sorry uh, if this embarrasses this person. But uh, we have Miss Barbara Smith worshiping with us this morning. She's not been here for several months as she has been uh, dealing with cancer. And this is her first Sunday back. And so we are so glad to see you. We praise God that you're here. We've had, uh, we've had multiple people in our church in the last two, three, four months dealing with cancer. And all of them have had to stay away. And so she's the first of those, I think there's three of them who've been able to return uh, since going through all her treatments. And so uh, we'll, we'll celebrate with the others when they're able uh, to return as well. And so just so, praise God for his, his goodness uh, in our lives. Dennis is the deacon of the week, so he's going to come and close us out with a word of prayer. So while he's coming, if you'll stand, don't forget about shoe boxes. We still have plenty of shoe boxes out there. We also have some toys that people have donated. You can pick up one of those items and, and put that inside the box. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the privilege you give us to gather together. Lord, we thank you for the gathered church. Lord, we thank you for the time that we can uh, be with friends and family. Lord, I pray for, for this church. Lord, I thank you for the faithful preaching of the word. Lord, help us, Lord, to uh, but not hearers do only, but to be doers of the word. So, Lord, we've heard uh, as we gather, we're, we're worshiping and we're praising God. But, Lord, you've got responsibility uh, for each of us as we leave this place to, to share your love and your word with, with others, with the lost. So, Lord, I pray that you just help us to be faithful in that regard as well. Lord, lead us, guide us, and direct us as we go through this week, that we take the opportunities that you give us to uh, participate in, in sharing the gospel message. So, Lord, thank you for this privilege once again, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.